Hello again, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I am Erica, your small town lesbian host, and welcome to the Les Represent podcast. We have such an achievement today. I feel like I should give myself a big pat on the back <laughs> for no apparent reason whatsoever. Uh, but we had a return guest. We spoke with Andy Marquette. She is an author. She is a publisher. She is a woman of the movement. She is an all-around cool, nerdy gal. Uh, might be getting a little bit of a crush on her. Who knows? Uh, so we spoke to her today, and there wasn't really a planned podcast. We just kind of had a free-forming conversation that touched on everything from ageism to the movement to fandom things. There's a all sorts of stuff that went up and down and all around. And, you know, I just thought we'd splice something together and give something for you guys to listen to. So without further ado, here we go. And like I had a list of things to talk about and then it's kind of that list got... Can I say cats ate my homework? <laughs> Am I allowed? Am I allowed? Because that is what happened. They, they got a hold of the paper and they shredded it into pieces. And I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> Post-it notes and stick them on your computer. <laughs> Let's hope they don't get those out either. Okay, well, um, yeah. Yesterday, Jove and I were talking on the Women in Words podcast about wrapping up the week. And I saw this, this tweet a couple days ago. Maybe it was on Thursday. Um, I'm assuming the person who posted it was probably younger, probably in her twenties and it was this really condescending shitty tweet about how it was time for older people to basically step back from the movement <laughs> and like, you know, not do anything anymore. And Jeff and I were like, what the fuck? And so I was thinking about that and I was like, I, I I think I understand what this person's trying to say, but it's not coming across that way because the reality is that all of us across age brackets are going to get fucked in this, in what's happening. And to ask someone to literally marginalize themselves from their own social justice work seems really shitty to me. And when you say the movement, are you talking about women's rights or are you talking about LBGT? I'm trying I'm to I'm talking out. about every social justice movement out there. There's all kinds, and I'm loving this, there's all kinds of intersectionality occurring, and I'm seeing a lot of crossover between various movements, and as it should be, because yeah. we can't not do this together. And yeah. to suggest that oh, well, thanks, ladies, for all that work you did in the 70s and 80s, but, you know, take a back seat now. Don't don't show up anymore. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> like, I will absolutely listen to people from different generations, and I will absolutely learn from them, but I am not going to stop marching and doing this work because to stop means we sink. Like a shark, we can't. Yeah, and I don't, I don't understand why they would say that. Being someone who's never physically been in the movement, like unfortunately, I've never actually gone to a march. And where I live, honestly, I, I can only make excuses for myself. But just why would you even say that, especially to people who would actually who actually remembers 
how the politics work. I don't, I don't know. And I'm hoping that maybe she just worded it incorrectly, but there were a lot of olds who were pushing back and they were very polite about it. Um, including myself, (laughs) but it was, I was talking about this with Jove and Jove and I are about the same era, the same age. And she was like, I don't, I would never ask somebody to stop working for the betterment of society, no matter their age. I just, I can't even fathom anything like that entering my mindset to ask somebody to just like, okay, you're done, old lady, step back. No, uh, no. Yeah, like that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense to me. Because, I mean, the only, like, the only reason you would want someone to step down for something they've been doing for so long is if the technology has, like, I don't know, maybe they can't grasp the technology, whatever, whatever. But this movement, like, you're, you're, you guys are dealing with... <laughs> an antiquated old world system that's how freaking politics are run these days oh my god right and it's just like why why would you even want people who know how the politics work to even step down because let's be real my idea of putting my voice out there and like talking to the government is filling out a poll online which i know that is not how it works like you have to like write letters to people and you have to call people and it's like it's very impersonal and i'm i like the only way to get big impacts is to be there in person I think that could be part of it. Um, Your mic just went really quiet. Ah, fucking shit. (laughs) You go, girl. (laughs) Can you... Is it because I'm stepping away from it? Like, what's going on? There you go, right there. Boom. Okay, good. I need to to remember to lean it down towards me. Yeah, right there. That's good. I took the pop guard off, so I'm going to pray that my words aren't freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) okay a fight i'm just gonna i'm just gonna put it really close to my face and i'm gonna pray (laughs) there you go there that's it that's it pray that it doesn't just (laughs) sound like gibberish fuck is it are you attached is it one of those you attach to your shirt or no it's it's actually like a big ass honking mic oh right on cool that doesn't make any sense. I wish I had more research on this. I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story of how I bought this mic and then realized that it's kind of like one of those uh, third world country knockoffs. Oh, <laughs> like the picture yeah. on the box doesn't even look like the mic itself. And also <laughs> when I was looking up the product to try to figure out how to get it to work with my computer, like literally the name, like the brand name on the side of this mic does not match <laughs> anyone else who bought this mic and i'm just like did they just put a mic in a box and said this is it <clears throat> that's hilarious I, actually i figured it out i figured it out i went i went through so many channels and i figured it out and so far it works fine i will i will deal with your third third world country knockoffs because it works so it seems to work fine it's just you know yeah yeah i, I need to speak louder because i am i am a quiet talker Project, my mom used to tell me. Project. I can project when I'm passionate about something, but then be short. Like, Jesus Christ. But be, be loud. <laughs> anyway, so age has been kind of, an, I've been thinking about it, not only because I am aging, mm-hmm. but because it seems that I'm at that point where I am being asked to step back. And no. I'm not going to, 
<laughs> but, mm-hmm. but I'm also not not an asshole either. I know there are some older people out there who are really shitty toward younger. I get it. And it doesn't do anybody any favors. So Joe and I were talking about that on the Women in Words podcast. And both of us were of the agreement that not only is it extremely rude to ask someone to basically take themselves out of social justice work or out of something that, that is so integral to to the planet right now is, is like doing some kind of work. It, it was just shitty. <laughs> it was just really shitty. So, so I've been pondering that. I've been pondering age and what it means and how it plays into various arenas of my life. And I keep thinking, God, I hope I wasn't a dick when I was younger. And I keep thinking back, like, God, did I treat older people shitty? Um, what was I? And I think a couple times I may have. But also, I, I tended to have a really wide variety of friends from various generations. So I was very comfortable around older people ever since I was a kid. You know, I related to adults more so than my peers. So I've always been comfortable in those areas. But I really hope that I'm not an asshole. And if I ever am an asshole, somebody better call me out on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. The words of wisdom. Same. That I have learned. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. Well, please let me know if I am. <laughs> my only thoughts on it is that I want to say it's not so much the age thing, but it's like, you know how they say that um, everyone is the center of their own universe? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of times, a, a lot of times, um, from my experience, you know, the for whatever reason, it's just like it's almost programmed to the younger generation that the older generation is somehow boxed in, which I know that's that's not real. After going through this journey and actually going to the internet and meeting people of the community, I realized that people are not as boxed in as they seem. But when you're just sitting there looking through your perspective, I mean, you're always going to think that you're the one that's right mm-hmm. until someone convinces you otherwise. And a lot of people would argue with that, but that's it's kind of deep down that's true because you can only see through your own eyes. True. And while you can be sympathetic and like sympathy and empathy is something you learn through life and just, I don't know, it's possible that they, she just sees a bunch of people being boxed in about things that they're going about the wrong way. I, I'm not defending her because I don't even right. know. I would. I wish I knew where that tweet was so I can ask her to clarify like at what point. But I know not enough about the movement and not enough about what you guys are doing to even voice either side. But I, I think I it was just say a- she's being shitty. I think it was just a general statement about general, you know, the resistance. And I use that term loosely to what's happening right now in this country. And I get it. I get it. I do think that there's absolutely a time and place for young leaders. And goddamn, I will totally hold them up and learn from them. But I am not leaving this movement. It's to everybody together is it's too imperative that we all work together in whatever ways we can. And it doesn't necessarily mean going out to protest and to march that, that is a, it's a symbol and it's remarkably empowering and it's, it's good to go out there and to see all the people that think like you do and who are committed to what's happening. But that's not the only forum that work can take. I mean, it can take, it can be just the day to day, operations of your life in which you change people's minds just by being you 
that's what is meant by the personal is political because everything you do and how you comport yourself and how you build bridges with individuals, that too is social justice work. It's changing people's minds. So you don't need to go out and march around or call people or, or do whatever. Just living as a woman or as a person of color or as a queer person, that in itself is doing the work. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was literally thinking about dropping my mic because that's what that sound that statement sounded like, but I also don't want to break it. So. <laughs> you don't want to break your divination <laughs> mic. Come on now. I don't, don't want to break I don't want to break the mystery mic. Right. Oh, I like that mystery mic. <laughs> it is a mystery mic. Awesome. Okay. It would, I, I bought it and all of a sudden I opened the package and it had a gold <laughs> lid on it. And I was like, I don't understand what happened here. <laughs> all right. So let's, I'm going to ask you yes. some questions, Erica. So, um, yeah. so tell me, me what are like the big issues to you? Like give me three, one or, or one or two big issues in your life that, that kind of like are always with you that you're thinking about? Ooh, like personally or like in the world is like a whole. Kind of, kind of both because again, the personal both? is political, you know? So like yeah. as you were coming of age, as you were developing your sense of yourself as I'm going to use this. We're talking about the whole timeline here. We're not just yeah. talking about current. Yes, yes. So I'm, as you were coming of age, the sense of yourself as who you were going to be in the world. And I'm going to, I use the term queer because that mm-hmm. seems to encompass a whole lot and seems helpful. And the olds who are listening to this program, it's, I am not using it in a defamatory way. It's, you know, we're reclaiming it. So how, when you were coming of age and you were starting to realize that perhaps you were not of the completely heterosexual variety, what were some of the some of the concerns in your head, you know, in terms of how this was going to play out in your life? Were you I scared? Mean, I, oh, yes. I've had a crippling sense or a crippling fear of rejection. That doesn't make sense in my life. Like, I try to think back in my head about my childhood and how I was raised, and I'm trying to pinpoint where it was in my life that I got this crippling fear of rejection. So, like, I didn't tell my parents that I was gay until I was in college, until I was independent, until I was far enough away from them that I could literally talk to them on the phone, tell them about it, and just really just have to deal with silence. Were your parents really conservative? You know, I had a I had a split family. My mother ah. was not conservative, but I still mm. heard train her life at the moment was like a train wreck so I was just like she's off doing her thing she'd probably support me but I don't want her jumping into my life and trying to say oh you should do this you should do that kind of thing because I'm just Mm -hmm. like madam you need to figure yourself out first Mm -hmm. from my father's side they literally didn't get the confirmation until I was already engaged to a woman so did you so you had already been you were already engaged to your future wife and you, mm-hmm. and yet you, your future wife had not met your father's family. They, that- they hadn't, she hadn't met my father's family until, or at least my father and his kin until pretty much two years after we were married because they weren't ready to meet her. Wow. So is this a, is this a religious conservative thing or just? They're, they're what I like to call, um, 
Easter Sunday Christians, you know, they'll go to, <laughs> they'll go to church on Easter and on Christmas sometimes and they'll, they'll, they'll play the game and they have to convince themselves that they are being proper Christians before they just kind of let it go. Cause let me, oof, I'm going to tell a story. All right. Okay, so, so. The first person of my father's family that my wife met was actually my grandmother. And I love my grandmother. I will talk about her all the time. She's, for whatever reason, the only person in our family that has a Southern Belle accent. And I'm, <laughs> I cannot tell you. I, literally, I, I sit there sometimes and I go, where did she get that accent from? Because no one else in my family has it. Is this your dad's mom or your mom's mom? Yes, this is my dad's mom. Okay. Uh and she'll just, she'll sit there and she'll be like, well, I declare, you know, I about talk the horns off a of billy goat. And she talks just like that. And she's wonderful. And she's been in my life the whole time. And she's, she's very, 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 very Christian. But, and, but she was the first person I actually took my wife to meet. Because mm -hmm. I was like, for whatever reason, I was under the impression that whatever happened, she would do it out of love. Mm -hmm. I would understand her and that would make it better. Well, she met my wife once, but as a friend, quote unquote friend. Mm -hmm. And then I took her back because I was like, this is becoming a thing. This is becoming real. I need to just hurry up and tell them because I don't want to spend my life just talking about a quote unquote friend. Right. You know, I was, mm -hmm. I was finally done because it, it, it gotten to the point that since I hardly saw my father's family very much, mm -hmm. that pretty much all of them had this this almost false impression of me. Like I would go to see them and then I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't feel like myself. I would literally be there right. for like what was necessary for me to be there to be called, you know, Oh, I came to visit. And then I would leave. I was so uncomfortable in my own skin being around them. Mm -hmm. and for the longest time I thought it was like, Oh, it's because I don't fit in. But really it was because I was trying to fit in as somebody that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm just too fucking lazy for those games. <laughs> <laughs> so what ended up shit i just spilled my beer everywhere oh, oh well that's all right so call the cats i'm actually i'm actually <laughs> they do not need to drink that but i'm actually yeah. shaking right now so okay Ugh. so when it, so, uh, when were you then when were your teenage years can we say it was the 90s the early 2000s mm, i don't know why i'm having to think it was my teenage years it's like I can't remember. Was was the two thousands? Yeah. Okay. So in so the two, I'm like almost, I'm almost thirty. Let's okay. just let's just put that. Okay. Up. So the two thousands then. Um, we got marriage. Uh, same sex marriage became legal for the first state in Massachusetts, like in two thousand five, I believe. Mm -hmm. When did you start thinking about, like, like had when you were living your life as a teenager? Did you have an idea that you might not be on the path to straight, Bill? Yeah. How long, um, how long did you have this idea? Can, can we, we come back to that question? I actually didn't I, finish the story. Oh, yeah, sure. Finish the story. My bad. Off sometimes. No, it's okay. I'm actually – it's so strange because I'm nervous about telling the story because I've really never told the story to anyone. It's a good story. I'm like, I'm like going back to it, and I'm like shaking all over again. Oh, um, Anyway, so I went to go, I went to take her and actually introduce her. And my, my wife is from England. So she's mm -hmm. used to a whole different, a whole different politics around LBGT. Mm -hmm. I never knew how threatening it felt to be 
LBGT, I guess, until I met my wife and I saw her reaction to everyone. Mm -hmm. Like me, like me, I'm like, you know, when you look at women out there and you're like, is she gay? Is she not? Uh, but most people are going to see what they want to see. Yeah, that's true. Like I'm, I usually call myself like a chapstick lesbian. Like I'm kind of tomboyish, <laughs> but, but you know, I have long hair and people are just like, well, you know, she doesn't care. And uh, yeah, there, there we go. So people just assume that I'm straight all the time. So I usually never have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. But like, so I took her to meet my grandmother and it, like, we were both nervous about it. Like she, she dressed up nice and I decided to dress up nice and we, we probably made it a little more formal than it should have been. Mm -hmm. But I took, I took her and I was like, you know, grandma, you're the most important person in my life right now. And I just wanted you to know, me and Emma are going to get married. Mm -hmm. And granted, I had, I had actually already announced it. So it's not like she hadn't heard it through the grapevine. Right. So it's like she had time to prepare. Right. So, so we went and she just, she was very quiet. Oh. She reached out for my hands and she said, honey child, I just want you to know that I love you no matter what. And then she took me in the other room. She sat me and my wife down and she opened up a Bible in front of us. Oh no. And she, she forced me to read out loud in front of my wife, a couple of verses <sighs> from the Bible, but it wasn't the one about the whole man should not lay without, with another man. It's an abomination, whatever. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that one. It would be Leviticus. completely expected. Uh, she made me read the one where God was talking about how all sin is the same. That you could be a murderer, you could be a rapist, you could be oh, a cheater, yeah. I you know could it. be gay, mm -hmm. and it is all the same sin. And, oh my god, that made my wife so mad. She didn't say anything. She she was the proper British lady that she is. Mm -hmm. She just kept very quiet. And I was just like, are you serious? And she said, honey child, I just, I just want you to know, like, I love you. And I love you more than anything. But God, you know, it doesn't matter what I think. It's what he thinks. And yada, yada. And basically she was saying, you know, I'll love you no matter what. But... But dot dot dot. But she's like, it doesn't matter. Like, as she said, it doesn't matter what she thinks. It matters what he thinks. And she said, I just want you to just know, because apparently in her head, what she has been thought. And I don't know if this, the, I don't know if this is a Southern thing, what she had been taught. But that it apparently it was in her head that if she, if she did not tell me that this was a sin, if she didn't tell me that I was putting my soul in jeopardy, that she would be held responsible at huh. the pearly gates when she died which i think is the biggest load of shit but at the yeah. same time i feel like that's just what is wrong with my with a lot of my conservative family is that they are under the impression that if they hadn't told me at least once that i was mm -hmm. sinning that they would somehow be held responsible i think that so might be everyone, an evangelical yeah. thing we're baptists so i don't pff, they're baptists so i don't uh, know there you go so what happened afterward? Did you leave? Well, after that, she acted like nothing happened. She went ahead. We took lunch. We cooked dinner. She she went. She took my wife with, with her into the kitchen, and she taught her how to make her special chicken dumplings recipe since I loved it. And then she told us all to be, have a great day and then left. And she literally acted like nothing 
happened because that was the big thing that she wanted to get out of the way. My wife would not go back to see her for another year because she was so livid and she was so embarrassed and she was so mad because my my wife was raised Catholic, but, you know, Mm -hmm. neither one of us really believe in that kind of stuff. So she's been through the ringer of God this, God that. But, you know, Christians and Catholic are apparently two very different creatures from the same mother. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) so... I mean, I don't blame her. And I certainly, you know, it certainly gave me a lot of pause about approaching anyone else in my family about it for a while. Because mm-hmm. it was just, I wasn't really expecting acceptance, but I wasn't expecting to be pretty much humiliated in front of my wife about this, about this, because I knew she thought it was absolutely crazy. And being raised in it, I kind of got it. But she thought it was absolutely insane. Because in England... Apparently, religion's very private. Mm-hmm. So people don't push things on you. Or so she tells me. I don't know. She was raised in, like, central England. I, I can't speak for all of it. But mm-hmm. apparently, where she lived and her family, you didn't push people into it. Yeah, she went to Catholic school, but that's because that was a good school that was around. Mm-hmm. So. So have you has <laughs> have you been back since? Has she been back since? Your, yes. your wife? Yes. How did it go? It went, it went very well. She was, she's going to hate that I tell this story. Oh, but you don't she have was to. very nervous. She was very nervous because it was actually mm-hmm. my uncle, my very, uh, very open-minded um, military career man uncle, actually. Mm-hmm. He had been all over the world, so he was a lot more open-minded than everyone else. And so he, he recently got divorced, and he had been married to this one lady his my whole life, and then recently got married to a different woman and oh they're so happy and they're so cute together not the point Uh, very happy for him though (laughs) if he ever hears this i'm so happy for you (laughs) but um because let me tell you his wife was his um his ex-wife was the reason why i didn't want to ever come out when i was in high school because she was a very very opinionated woman and she would let everyone know and let everyone have it and i was just like no um yikes but, but he invited us to the, his first Thanksgiving at his new house with his new wife. And he was like, I would love it if you guys would come. And since it was like on this neutral ground, because it wasn't at my mm-hmm. grandmother's or my father's place, you know, we were like, mm-hmm. let's go. And my wife was so nervous. She was like, I don't like, we were like halfway there. And she's like, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm like, honey, we've already driven an hour to get here. And she's like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I think we have to, we have to turn around. And I'm just like, we're not turning around. She's like, I will shit in your car. If you don't <laughs> oh, turn no. around. Oh no. And we just like, we just like argued like that for like the rest of the drive there. And she got there and she's like, I'm serious. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, no, poor thing. Wow. But I love her and I I finally I feel like on a personal level I feel like I really bucked up in that situation and I literally went up to my stepmother who I knew would be the voice of the family because my dad's like traditional quiet husband who just, you know, he mm-hmm. has two he has two emotions which is dad jokes and then watching TV. So <laughs> I actually went up to my stepmother and I was like, "Hey, you know, I would really like it if you made Emma feel like family because, you know, we're together and we've been together for a while and I just need you to make an effort. And it's like the first time I'd ever actually spoken to my stepmother on that level. And she was just like, okay. Oh, well, that's and they good. they pulled Emma into the other room and we started talking about horses and 
the rest is history. Now they now they love us, and it's fantastic. There you go. You see that? Changing the world right there. That's what you did. Exactly. Exactly. It took them two years to freaking get over it. Like, their first excuse was, like, I have two younger brothers who are, like, ten years younger than me. They were like, you know, well, we're raising the boys. We don't, we don't want to confuse them. And I'm just like, you can shove it up your ass. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Anyway. But kids, uh, kids aren't stupid. I mean, no. they're going to figure it out. And yeah. And kids don't also kids don't fucking care. Actually, they don't. It's not until you hit high school that you start being peer pressured. <laughs> yeah. Really peer was, pressured. Oh, my God. I was really surprised because my eldest brother right now, he's like 16. And we, were, we actually had the, had the girl talk. Like, we actually started talking about this girl that he liked. And he was like, what do you do, you know, with the girl? And I, I had jumped to the assumption that he was like, oh, you want to talk about sex? And I, like, started texting him. And he was like, I meant, how do you become friends with a girl and ask her out? And I was just like, oh, my God, I can't delete those text messages. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like that's really awkward that's the best that's and the like, best oh my god because i was just like like literally i was like you know when you're ready you'll know and you'll feel comfortable and you won't have to feel like you have to make excuses to be with them and you'll be happy with them and then you know you're like you'll know when you're ready and he's like i'm i'm just talking about asking a girl out i'm not talking about <laughs> doing the deed <laughs> yeah and I was, uh, was oh my god so help me and so I, he was like, so when did you know that you liked girls? And I was just like, you know, I think. When did you know? <laughs> well, well, shit. That's what um, I always say back. Well, when did you know? <laughs> you know, I think the question is, when did I know and when did I accept it? That's the for all I, of us. Mm -hmm. I knew. If I had to really analyze it, I would say there was this girl, this older classman when I was in the sixth or seventh grade that I crushed on hard, but I told myself it was just intense admiration for this older, cooler girl who was like, she was the percussion lead in the band and she was just, she was an amazing pianist and I just wanted to be her best friend. And it was just like, no, honey, you were crushing on that. <laughs> That's what I could tell myself now. But it wasn't until college that I was like, fine, fine. I'm a lesbian. <laughs> no, right? That's, it's, uh, the argument, and oh, I also wanted to correct, Massachusetts got marriage in 2004, so. Oh. So. Um, most of us tell ourselves, you know, it's a phase. When we're starting to feel, you know, the stirrings of the hormones, if you will. <laughs> and so some of us, you know, don't go the way of others and you, you you end up trying to talk yourself out of it or to make yourself think that's not what's happening blah 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 and then you end up I ended up in college and that's where I too was able to um if you will express that side of myself and as as you say the choice is not whether to be gay or lesbian or bi or or whatever it is the choice is whether you want to accept it about yourself or not. And yeah. there are many people who do not and try very hard to live a life in which they mask or repress or accept as a sadly chronic condition. But I didn't want to live my life that way. 
And so the choice I made was to accept it about myself, as you did. Yeah. For for me, it was a little easier to ignore it. Like, I really wanted to be loved. Like mm-hmm. that, that that phrase sounds pathetic, but that was that was it for a long for a long time until I became like an actual adult. But I actually didn't feel sexual arousal until I was like like 21 (laughs) for whatever reason my body was like completely dead to that so I was under the impression that I was asexual oh well then there's nothing wrong with that I was that was that was what it was I was under the impression I was asexual and that I just liked girls more and I was like you know whatever it is it will be and I just kind of was like I can still just be friends with people and it's like whatever and then literally 21 came around and it hit me in the face and I was like oh Oh no, I want to have sex with girls. I want to Oh no. Oh no, I have to confront this now. So it was it was easier for me to sit around and pretend that I was something else because I was like it's not super crucial. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that sex is the super crucial part of the relationship, right. but it just I don't know, it's easier to ask somebody to have coffee with you than to be like, "Do you want to get into a relationship?" <laughs> you know? This is it's like, do you want to do you want to get in a relationship? Because you know, I don't, I don't really do one night stands. I don't know how that works. So that's kind of like a gateway phrase, though. Do you want to have coffee? Is like the classic lesbian line. Like, hey, let's have some coffee, and generally that means this could go somewhere else. <laughs> is it? Which makes it even hilarious. I got into this new fandom where their catchphrase is, "Well, let's skip the coffee." <laughs> Which is precisely what that means. Which fandom is this? Oh my god, what have I done? I've opened up a portal. Um, this one isn't my current one, unfortunately. It's from this. I've I've gotten on a kick of like soap operas. I don't know why. Yes, I just I noticed your Twitter feed. That's fine. Freaking soap operas are ruining my life. I just been having. Ugh. Anyway, oh. for some reason, I feel like soap operas will go further because they're wanting that shock factor. They're wanting the the views yeah. a lot more. So and they like draw it out. The characters to do more. Yeah, and they, they draw, be draw it out so much more. Um, yeah. The whole skip the coffee one is from General Hospital, and it's a specific oh, ship yes, of, yes, yes. of Christina, which is uh, mm-hmm. Christina and Parker, and it's like it's age gap. It's it's that forbidden student teacher, even though I don't know why people call it that, because they didn't actually start getting together until after they were no longer student teacher. But it's like the thought. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's just, <laughs> You're if, obsessed. I were to be completely, if I were to be completely honest, I should not be obsessed over such trash. Like, the, <laughs> it was just, it was treated so badly. Let me tell you, let me tell you, I went through... I went through so much video footage to go through that storyline just to watch them be together on screen for, like, less than 60 minutes. And then all of a sudden, their couple left the show. Like, they got together, and then they left the show. And I'm like, I feel so... I feel so offended. Not even offended. So used. Exactly. I feel so used, because I've watched so much of the show. I've been waiting for them to get together. Like... And it was done well in the beginning. Like, they handled sexuality very well because his character had just realized, oh, I'm, I'm gay. And, like, they had a beautiful moment between her and her father, just, like, her admitting her sexuality to her father. And it was a beautiful, beautiful moment that I had wished that I had had with my father. And, and then when they finally got together, 
it was just like immediately shipped off somewhere else and you don't get to see anything else in their relationship. And their relationship was also very rushed after a certain point. And I don't blame the actresses made it amazing, but it was like it was scheduling difficulties and political bullshit, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> anyway, I'm just like, I can't believe I got sucked into it. And I'm like <laughs> held in its grip. And I'm just like, no, because I don't think those characters are ever coming back. Ah, uh, the travails <laughs> of modern queerdom. <laughs> I apologize, Christina fandom. I admit it. I don't know if they're coming back. All right. I'm sorry that we've been led astray. Anyway, anyway. Don't don't get you know, there may still be hope. Um, there might still be hope. They're killing off characters in that show. They're gonna they're gonna have to bring someone back. As it as true with a lot of shows, um yes, this is a true fact with regard to soaps. I, I think it's interesting how soaps do push envelopes, but also, they sometimes kind of cop out. I'm also surprised how a lot of them are still running when their shows are not that great. Like, how, like could you imagine watching a show where there's, like, so many different people in it that each person <laughs> right? gets, like, a three-minute segment in an episode? It's like, I've waited a week to watch what these people do with their storyline, and it's like, I've watched... They've been on for six minutes. Well, I better wait for next week or the next two weeks. <laughs> you're so like, how did they do in. this? Oh my god, how did they do this? You're so sucked in. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Like, I, I only jump into these fandoms after it's kind of already over because I don't, I don't want the heartbreak. So I'll wait <laughs> until like there's confirmation of the destination, and then I'll be like, mm -hmm. okay, I'll watch it, and I'll see somebody's isolated storyline of it, and that's currently what I'm doing now. What is it, Addie? They're sad. They want some beer. You can't have beer. You're too young. I apologize for her. I don't know if you can hear her or not. <laughs> it's all right. So tell me this then. Yes. When you were coming of age, you're in college, and you're realizing yeah. you're of the non-straight variety. Mm -hmm. Did you have a sense that you would eventually find somebody and get married? No. I made the joke with all of my friends that I would be the last one to get married because A, fucking look at me, and B, um, it's not even legal here. And then literally a year later, I had met Emma, completely fell in love, and was the first one and the only one so far of my friends who have gotten married. <laughs> so, <laughs> never say never. Never say never. But did you think, did you have an inkling in the back of your mind that marriage was an option, that it could be an option for you. You know, I was never one of those girls who dreamt of her wedding day. I was never one of those mm -hmm. people that thought it was important. And I think that might be because of my upbringing. My parents, stop that. Stop it. She just bumped the mic with her face. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I am trying to tell a story, please. Thank you behave okay so i my parents divorced like when i was one years old i don't even have any memories of them being together mm -hmm. and i guess my mother was married multiple times she's been married four times so even though my father married one other woman and has been with her since then had two kids with her for whatever reason i'm just still under the impression that like marriage was just kind of like uh, kind of like a thing you went through. It's like, love, yay, we get married, we fall apart, we have a divorce, whatever. <laughs> and yet, you know, I've I've met my wife, and now I'm just like, this is endgame. <laughs> like, we're, we are literally death to us part. 
And so it's just, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. Yeah. I ask because when I came of age, um, there was absolutely no chance in hell that I could get married. None. So most people from my generation who are queer had absolutely no sense that we would ever have that option. So we never planned for it. We never put it in our worldview. We never thought about it. We just worked with what we had. And it wasn't until about 92 when the the marriage battle started up in Hawaii that some of us started thinking this could be an option maybe someday. I honestly didn't think I'd see it in my lifetime. So I never planned to do it. I mean, we just didn't. We just didn't. You didn't make those plans. You built your networks and you had your partner or partners and you, you went through legal morasses with paperwork and shit like that to make sure that in the event of your death, that your partner at least would have a shot at something of your estate. Because if you were estranged from your family and this happened to a lot of folks in my generation and older, the families would challenge the will and the estate and oftentimes they would win. So your partner would be left with nothing, which was why marriage in that sense, I thought was really useful to ensure that your partner, your widowed partner would be able at least to have access to your resources in event of your death. And it would ensure that the family, the estranged family couldn't come after you. So for most of my generation, there's a really pragmatic reason for marriage. It's not like, oh, this is going to be great, be the princess dress and the wedding and la, la, la. You know, there were seriously financial and economic and legal reasons that we wanted to see marriage. I personally would like to see uh, civil unions across the board with marriage as an option. I'm one of those because I see it as an economic thing and, and I'm more pragmatic about it. But I never thought I would ever be able to get married. So it just was not in my worldview. And I wonder sometimes if, if that's sad, you know, that I, I just never was able to envision it. And I see these younger people in their twenties and thirties, and it's part of their worldview that they expect that one day they will find somebody and get married. And it's so beautiful to see that. And I, I wonder sometimes if I'm, if it's if that's something that's sad for me because I don't know what that feels like. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, I being married, it's almost like my opinion is void. But I <laughs> no, also, it's not. I mean, no, I came not. I came from more or less a broken family, so I never even had the mm-hmm. idea of getting married because it's just it's just a complication. It's just more boxes to move. Well, I was actually going to ask you. That's awesome. You know, that's how, a great image. It... <laughs> I like that. Well, more boxes to move. <laughs> it's a complication. It's just more boxes to move. I'm like, wow, I that's mean, really my... a excellent metaphor. <laughs> of my my childhood, my mother moved around a lot. Like every year up until mm. I was like maybe in sixth grade, we would move somewhere else and I would have to start school all over again. And that was just like a part of my life for like a, such a long time, mm-hmm. especially because she would go between boyfriends, she would go between jobs and we would just move around all over the place. Like I didn't learn to be in one place 
until I was like well into my teens. And even then I was just like, when are we going to leave? Like right now I've, you know, I, I carried that tradition almost into my adult life because I would literally leave every year or so from my apartment, from my job. And I would just go somewhere else because that's what I'm accustomed to doing. Ooh, I just unpacked something. I didn't even realize was there. Look at you Um, unpacking boxes. (laughs) <laughs> and here I have, and now I have a house. Like I, well, we actually purchased a house, and I was like, "Why was I so against this?" And I'm thinking maybe it was because I'm so used to unpacking and going somewhere else, and now I'm here for thirty years. We're gonna see how that works out. Kitty, goodness gracious! I I understand you want your voice heard, but we'll schedule a time. Anyway, interesting. But I, I was I was actually going to ask you, like, how did it? No, it feels like I'm kicking somebody when it's down. But how did yeah. it feel like to actually want marriage when you couldn't have it? Because I feel like so many people don't even know what that feels like. And I'm also someone who was – I'm just interested in the aspect of someone who actually wanted marriage but couldn't have it opposed to me I who never... just didn't want it. And then I was like, oh, And then look, boom, I there you are. <laughs> I actually never wanted it. Um what I wanted was a way to legalize relationships within the boundaries that a relationship set for itself. Because marriage to me was just, you know, I, I remember as a little kid, I never, ever saw myself as married, especially not to a dude. Um, and so when my mom assured me that I did not have to get married, I was like, yay. And when I came out and it, as a lesbian, I identify as lesbian. When I came out, I still didn't really think about marriage or what it meant or could mean. And even now, as you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm an old, I don't, marriage isn't the end all be all. I, I fought for it because I think that it has its values. And I do think that if I do end up getting married, it certainly won't be for the love and roses bullshit. It'll be for, like I said, the pragmatic reasons to ensure that my partner's taken care of and that legally she won't have to deal with all the crap that others have had to. And so I've always had kind of a pragmatic outlook about it. I think it's a good thing for people who want to engage in it, but I hope I would hope that people take it seriously and they don't get married just because they can does that make sense well considering I came from a very small town where half of the people I went to high school with got married the year after they got out of high school I feel like a lot of people just use it as something that they they're supposed to do exactly because culturally you're taught if you're fucking someone you need to this podcast is no longer rated G. You you need to marry them because, you know, you can't have your legs open for any John, which, why are you slut-shaming? Get over it. But, you know, I, I don't even think your view on it is pragmatic. I think that's what marriage needs to be. I think that's what marriage needs to go back to being is being a legal term and then just let people love, you know, like dig it. And I get it. I get it if like people are under the impression that without these walls we're just gonna go crazy and fuck goats and whatever but it's like no oh my god no, no people that. people had this before then and you can shove yourself righteous bullshit up your ass 
I mean, I, I mean, it's it is something that people need to keep your spouse safe, and even at, oh, and your family, it's... and you know, any children yeah. that come of that arrangement. I mean, for for queer people especially who are coming out of straight marriages and have children, and they want to marry someone of the same sex, that marriage can protect those kids too, and any children that they have with their partner. Yeah, and it's even now though, like. Uh, People are like, hooray, gays can get married. Let me tell you, as a committed gay, there are still problems. Like, mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. we still go to the doctor and when we still try to, like, I try to take care of my wife's financial stuff because healthcare is like a whole new thing to Emma. Because, you know, in, in, right. in England, it's free. She doesn't have to worry about insurance bullshit. And while I'm trying to tackle with them, it's always the question. Like, I literally have to pretend to be her because if I tell them I'm the spouse, they immediately shut me down and say, oh, no, we need her to come and handle this. And I'm like, I sit there and I question in the back of my head, if I was a man, would you would have said the same thing? No. If I told you I was her husband, would you would have said the same thing? And I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if health insurance has just changed its game and like basically made it to where only one person can handle it and that's the person that it's covering but it's mm -hmm. it's annoying but at the same time i can also pretend to be my wife because who's gonna know <laughs> no one but no but, one you, but that shouldn't be the issue you see i mean just because yeah. and that's one of the things that i've been pushing hard for is that everybody was so excited yay we've got marriage we've got marriage but 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 you we still don't have equal employment across a little over half the states. We still don't have equal access. And sure, we can get married all day long, but the reality is you can also go to your job the next day and get fired for, for being married to someone of the same sex. I don't and, even tell people that. In like, certain the, states. The current place that I worked at, that I work at, like I've traded, I've moved jobs like once since I actually got married and I didn't even tell them I was married to a woman until like a month in and that's only because I got sick of the pronoun game and they kept asking me questions I'm just going to tell them from now on it like is like I will tell the person that's hiring me yes I'm married anyone else they don't need to know. well it shouldn't actually be a question that comes up in an interview <laughs> oh no 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 I'm talking about like when you're there like when you're new at work and they're like tell me about yourself and yada yada you know your coworkers are nosy and I get that they want to figure out who they're working with so it strengthens the relationship between mm -hmm. you know getting mm -hmm. shit done but Ugh. Mm -hmm. Now, now where I work, everyone and well, I assume everyone knows that I'm gay. They may or may not acknowledge it openly, but everyone knows that I'm married more or less. And it's kind of hard because I work in a bilingual environment where half the staff doesn't speak great English. So mm -hmm. what they know of me, I'm not entirely sure. Interesting. But they don't seem they don't seem to care. And that's if something... they do know, they don't care. And that's something really cool, too, that I didn't get until later in my career track because, you you know, we had to be closeted because you'd get fired uh, and or you would get all kinds of shit at work. And I was fortunate in that a lot of places I worked in were pretty open and educated and accepting, but there were always coworkers that gave me a really hard time. Whether it was, you know, the the little the the Christian proselytizing 
at lunch or whatever the hell, as you experienced with your grandmother for that one incident or whatever it was. And sometimes it was subtle, sometimes it was overt, but it was just an ongoing battle that you had to constantly refresh your barriers and your boundaries to make sure that you were taking care of yourself while also fending off all of the bullshit because there was a lot of bullshit and there still is in the workplace. Like you say, sure, we've got marriage, but there is pushback right now. There's a lot of pushback. And I I feel like people really need to hear that. I think people need to really hear about the past because while some people are like the past is past, it's not like that anymore. People need to realize that the people who were a part of, you know, the oppression, the people who were, the people who prefer things to be a certain way are still in office. So while we moved past That's a good it point. just now, while we moved past it, like in the last couple of years, like the people who say that, you know, there's no racial tension in the United States, you have to realize there are people in office that were young and going into power when things were a certain way. And mm-hmm. they, if they find the opportunity, they will turn it right back around. And we can see that. We can see that happening because Obama's thing, they changed a lot. I don't know how much. Like, I, I hear praises over and over again, like a great things happened in the Obama campaign. But I felt like it was just a sleeping snake and that it just waited until no one else was paying attention and waited until they thought, you know, we can go ahead. And now they're out and doing whatever they want. And we're seeing it. And we're like, wait, wait, wait. But it's like. They're going to reverse things. They're going to change things back to the way that they liked it, to the way that they're going to change it back to the motherfucking good old days because they're in a place where they can do that now. No, it's it's happening. It's happening right now. And and that's the problem. People are like, it's in the past. We don't have to learn about that much. But you need to because you need to know the tactics they used back then because guess what? People forget. People forget these terrible things that happen and they'll elect somebody who freaking shot a woman in the face like 10 years ago because they freaking forget. Mm -hmm. And it's just, that wasn't a reference to anyone in general. That was just like a generalization. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, people forget. And then they go back into power. They wait until everyone's back is turned and they continue to do the same thing. So it's, it's necessary to hear what older people went through. It's necessary to hear the tactics that they used to use because guess what? A lot of these people are still in office. They're still in office. A lot of these people still have power. Fucking freaking the Supreme Court, a lot of those people have been there for like 30, 40 years. And guess what? You know what happened 30, 40 years ago? You would you would know. I was not. I was like, (laughs) I was crawling. Although I can say that the progressives on the court have maintained a pretty strict... That their views haven't changed all that much, same as the conservatives. And that is the other issue that people don't think about in terms of elections is that when you are voting for, say, you know, governors and presidents, you are also voting for the person who is going to make those appointments to the courts. And a lot of civil rights law gets decided in the courts. So if you have a court system that is completely stacked with people like the current administration, guess what's going to happen to civil rights? It's, it's going to be they're, pushed aside. They're not advancing, and we're going to lose. Um, I, you know, I, I told you that there are, I don't know what the last number was. I think it's 29 or 27 states that do not have 
protection ordinances for LGBTQ people for sexual orientation and gender identity. There are three there are three states that have laws preventing the passage or enforcement of local non-discrimination laws that include sexual orientation and gender identity. And those three, those states are North Carolina, Tennessee, and Arkansas. And there are other states that are trying to, to push legislation that will basically allow the state to override municipal non-discrimination ordinances. This battle is not over friends with marriage. It never was. And right now, 47% of the LGBT population in this country, 47%, that's almost half of us, live in states that prohibit employment discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. That's not even half. So there's 53% of us who do not, who do not have the protections that come with sexual orientation and gender identity protections. We can get married. The saying goes, married on Sunday, fired on Monday. Because if your boss finds out you got married to someone of the same sex, they can just can your ass and you don't have recourse. You can file a lawsuit, but given what's happening in the courts right now, you may not win that lawsuit. And the fact that that has ever actually been a saying and that absolutely no one, I can tell you right now, people of my generation have never heard that saying. You know what? I can't speak for everyone, but I can tell you right now, <laughs> I've never heard that saying. And it breaks my heart. Well, it that's literally what, breaks yeah. my heart. Well, most of us have, you know, who were dealing with the marriage battles, most of us, well, there are a lot of us who also saw that it was important to get non-discrimination ordinances in place for employment, you know, because sure, getting married is great, but guess what? If you live in a state or a municipality who you have a homophobic boss or, you know, a queerphobic boss and you come into your job and you put a picture of you and your spouse on your desk, well, guess what your homophobic boss can do, especially in right to work states the quote-unquote right-to-work states. They can just boot your ass to the curb and you don't have any recourse, especially if the person didn't make their homophobia known. So this is why marriage is not the end-all, be-all of the battle. And the other thing you have to watch out for, and I'm telling people this all the time, and it was a thing in the early 90s, but not as horrific as it is now, is the so-called religious liberty laws, which are actually religious exemptions. And what that means is it gives people a license to discriminate against LGBTQ people. And of course, the people pushing the laws who are all anti-LGBT groups and legislators will tell you, oh, no, no, that's not the case at all. But it's bullshit. It is. And there was a case heard before the Supreme Court December 5th dealing with a baker in Colorado who refused to create a cake for a a gay couple. Um, Given the new appointment to the court, Neil Gorsuch, I am fairly certain that that the anti-LGBT hate group is going to win this case. And what that means is it will set an entirely new precedent for civil rights laws, and it will allow people to discriminate in private businesses and other, you know, whatever it is, hospitals against LGBTQ people, whether perceived to be as such or understood to be as such. In other words, these people will be able to refuse you service on that basis. And 
that will have repercussions for other people who are traditionally marginalized and discriminated against. Because if you can say, well, if it's okay to deny service to queer people, then it must be okay to deny service to Muslims. It must be okay to deny service to black people. That's the reach of this particular lawsuit. And the ruling should come like in June, you know, somewhere in there. And given the new makeup of the court, I am not hopeful and that means we go back, friends. We go back 20 fucking years at least in terms of legislation and judicial capacity for non-discrimination. Nobody was talking about this. This I've is why seen, you- I've seen a couple of posts about it. And, but it's all been like they don't they don't talk about the boogeyman behind the camera. They don't they don't talk about the legal powers behind this guy. They just said asshole baker doesn't want to make a cake for gay people, yada, yada. But no one's talking about the legal team that is behind this person. Like, no one was talking about the legal team that was behind Fuckface Davis. What was her name? Um, Kim. Kim Davis. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Excuse me. But it was, it was like, what, what, I mean, what people don't, like, I, being someone who has been, raised and gone to church and has like seen the mentality of these people it's like they know how to spin this shit so that everything is hopeful and nothing is their fault that they Uh, are exempt from everything they will they will literally say well if they win this court obviously god said it wins and we need to put more power to it if they lose, they will say God has another way and it just wasn't his plan for right now. And it's literally, that's their mentality. They'll just keep going. Like, it doesn't matter what happens because everything is on their side regardless. So it's just like a never-ending struggle. And my, in my personal opinion, if they can put money into lobbying into our government, they can pay taxes into our freaking government. Um, oh, they've been trying to get rid of that stipulation too, the... Um... The IRS, you know, dealing with putting certain restrictions on uh, churches, especially, and religious organizations. Oh, I know. So, exactly. fortunately, the last round, they lost. But um, that's going to come up again. And and these are these are not new battles, friends. I, I went through this shit years ago. These are not new. They're, I recognize them. I know what they're doing. But what is most... This, I think, most frustrating to me is that people aren't, they don't seem to be paying attention. You know, they'll, you know, get outraged. Oh, this is terrible. This, this terrible um, baker, blah, blah, blah. But they don't really look behind, like, as you were saying, they don't look to see what that means long term or what the strategy is. Nobody appears to be really trying to dissect the strategy. And that was something that we had to do in the 80s and 90s, we had to dissect the strategy of the opposition and we had to create our own strategies to to combat it. And we tried all kinds of different things. The protesters tried all kinds of different protests, all kinds of different rhetoric, trying out different things to see what was most effective in terms of the press. And I'm, I'm not seeing a whole lot of that dissecting of strategies going on right now. I think Black Lives Matter is doing an excellent job. I think that some of the folks in the indivisible movement are doing a really fabulous job. And traditionally, a lot of those in the LGBTQ movement, too. But they're not 
paying attention to the opposition and what those folks are doing on state and local levels. Instead, they're all focused on the crazy up there in the white nationalist house, and they're not paying attention to what's going on on the ground. That's the sense I'm getting. I am so willing to be wrong, but for me, it's, I, I, I'm having deja vu every fucking day of this administration because it's like, oh my God, it, I mean, we went through this with the Reagan administration, but this is far worse because this guy Go is, on. it's, it's so much worse because of the, the reach of the internet and Fox news and other right-wing propaganda outlets have had over 20 years to cement themselves into into the conversation. And it, it has really been a game changer and it has created literally people that you cannot talk to, which you know, is really, really sad. Funny. Not funny, but like not haha funny, but oh, <laughs> funny is that literally if you talk to anybody about who they're president was if you ask somebody what president did a good job i can guarantee you they're going to talk about two presidents they'll talk about reagan and they'll talk about kennedy which of course kennedy wasn't even office that long but Mm -hmm. it was that's the people that they'll talk about and it's funny like how all this dirt and all this shit that people keep pulling out of these administrations but no one's gonna remember that for some reason because they're just going to remember all the quote-unquote good things they did or they'll just Think about Kennedy because he died. Well, that's what um, people do. I mean, about anything. Yeah, they do. Um, every president has shitty things and good things. There are, and then there are things that happen that a president has no control over that the administration will be remembered for. Um, yeah. If there were a different president during the AIDS crisis, like someone like Obama or Kennedy, I wonder given the time period, if there would have been that much of a difference in, in uh, policy because of the time period, just the context, the historical context was such that, you know, gays were reviled. That's just how it was. And it doesn't matter how open-minded a politician may be, he or she is constrained to a certain extent by the base. And when the base is pretty huge, and America was pretty anti-gay and still is in a lot of ways. There's only so much you can do in terms of policy. So, and I don't want to be hating on, on Reagan all that much. I think that he totally fucked up. But I also think that any other president might have actually dealt with, approached it the same way, given just the situation. And, uh, or maybe the other president would have had better people in administration who had more of a sense of, you know, more of a vision that, you know, shit is, this is serious. This is a serious situation that we need to address. We need to think ahead that it's not just the gays that are being affected by this, that this is a major public health crisis because it was, it was worldwide. This was a worldwide event. And I, I do sometimes think sometimes that how would another president have handled it? I don't have an answer but I do sometimes wonder about it. But regardless, we learned shit on the ground during that era. And I worry that we're not learning shit now to deal with what's happening. I think we got complacent during the Obama years. I mean, not only that, but when you're thinking about people who fight 
things like racism, there's a face to racism. Oh my god, right? Yeah, the KKK is like literally a face, which is funny because the KKK could be used for both to LBGT and black people, honestly. But it's just like you have a face, like you have a you have a you have an idea, you have an entire month dedicated to reliving it over and over and over and over again, and like so nobody forgets. While this while this going against LBGT con- just discrimination, a lot of our history has been glossed over and left to be ambiguous. So it's like we don't. I'm not saying make a month, maybe make a month. Please don't let it be Oct. Oh, it is October. Sorry, I have too many things going on in October. Um, <laughs> but just like, you know, it just needs to be put out there more. It just needs to be taught over and over again. And that to show people that there there is a boogeyman under white sheets that are also a hate group that's like working behind the scenes. And that just to show people that like, because obviously at this, not even obviously, just at this point, I feel like people don't see a group when they think of the enemy of LBGT. They think homophobia and they think of individuals that are stuck in their trailer park with their, with their, you know, Confederate flags. They don't necessarily think of entire organized groups of people that need to actually be combated. This is true. So, so I think that there's might some truth be to that. reason. Who knows? There's some truth to that, but what people also need to understand, like if you're thinking about racism and all the isms, that those are part of America. We are founded. We are founded on these on these horrific principles. And until we come to a reckoning with that and we face that, we're not going to go anywhere. I mean, what we're seeing now, all the people openly coming out and, and asserting white supremacy and all this crap that's oozing out around the seams, that shit was always there. It's not like these people woke up the next morning and were like, I'm going to be racist today. They were always racist. Now they have a pass. They get a hall pass now to be open about it. Or they think that they do because the of the administration that's currently in the White House. Not to mention that, but they feel like they're being martyrs for their cause because they don't think that they're wrong. That's the big problem with a lot of these people that hate things. Like, granted, I don't like quiche. I'm not saying, I mean, I, mean, I might have a problem there. I'm, I can't say I'm, like, quiche-phobic, but... You know, I don't think I'm wrong for not liking it. And unfortunately, as as like as as casual as that sounds, sometimes that hatred is just as casual to them because they don't right. understand that it's something that is morally wrong. They just think, well, I don't like how this is being run. I don't like these people. Everyone else around me is wrong. And I need to go out there and I need to put it out there and I need to raise the flag and I need to fight for what I think is right. And, you which, know. It's it's a problem in a lot of ways. Not a lot of bad guys are ready for anarchy for the sake of anarchy. They believe in what they're doing. And that's, that's therein lies the problem. And they are constantly uh, affirmed by certain media enterprises and outlets. And they reside in echo chambers and don't. There, there aren't that much challenge. There's no challenge really to those views. But that's a problem we've had in this country since its founding. That's yep. none of this is new friends. What's new are the platforms available to spread it and the uh, and and an administration that is completely devoid of a moral compass. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm just, that's the only way I can describe it. I mean, we literally have a reality TV show host in the White House. So, of course, we're living right now a reality TV. I'm, I'm considering, I consider 2018 season two of the reality TV show because that's, this is literally how we are living life right now. And what that is allowing a lot of our opposition to do is they're granted access to really, really powerful positions that they didn't have prior to this. And I can't begin to explain to you how completely fucked up shit is. And it's going to take years to fix it if we can survive this administration. And I don't know if we will, because I historically, I have never seen anything like this. And I am a historian. I have never seen anything like this in this country. So I don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of uncertainty. But on the other hand, I really like what I'm seeing with um, the rise of finally a progressive response and some organizing. That Yes. That gives yes, me hope. Sorry. So whatever happens, how however ugly it's going to get, I I think I will always still have hope. And I wouldn't have made it this far if I didn't have some of that, right? I can I can just tell you right now, it is whatever you see on the surface right now, it is so much worse. It is so much worse because people aren't paying attention to what all these pissant little dictator personalities are doing in their respective departments. And they're slowly dismantling all kinds of policies that are helpful to LGBTQ people, people of color, women. They are, all of this is being dismantled every day. All you have to do is like monitor various news sites and you'll see like mentions of some policy that just got ended that is harmful. They'll shut down the whole government, throwing a fit like a child. Exactly. Is that is that still happening? I haven't even looked on yes. the news because I'm just like... Yes, it is. And if you call the White House for information, the White House will tell you it's the Democrats' fault. The answering machine will tell you that. You know what? What? I, you know, I was, I stopped myself. Like, I literally was like, this is not the place for whatever I was going to say. <laughs> anyway, the point <laughs> being, you got- I've already dropped the F-bomb three times in this podcast. <laughs> I'm pretty sure iTunes is going to flag me if I keep doing it, so. The point being, friends, is that um, generations can learn a lot from each other. Um, I love that young people are so versed in social media and campaigns and- and organizing. That is so cool to me. Uh, my way is a little bit more old school, but hell, I have learned. And shit, yeah, I have no problem letting letting other generations take the lead on, on campaigns, but I will absolutely not take a backseat or step off the bus. Sorry. That's not happening. I, mean, I, just, I just think we, as I said before, history is just whoops, repeating itself. It's just like they're using old techniques that they think everyone's forgotten and they're using antiquated systems that, I mean, I, I feel like we need to combine our forces together. Like, I don't like I'm not saying that it needs to be a collaborative effort because we're dealing with an old, literally old school system who's using old school techniques. And but we need to be able to branch out to people and let's be real, the internet is a way to do that because we're dependent on it. Everything is, and it shows you how delicate democracy actually is. That one person could come in and just completely destroy it. 
this is why you have to be vigilant. You have to. Every generation has to be vigilant and you have to caretake it. And you can't blame the previous generations. You know, that, that serves no purpose. Just be vigilant, participate locally, and just be aware of what's happening so that you can, you know, tell stories. Even if you're not out marching, you can at least share your knowledge. Every little bit helps. I don't care how you do it. That's what I've learned in my in, in the years that I have been blessed to be on the planet. That's what I've learned. And that is things other people need to hear. There's just so much to learn. So I guess it's only going to be a matter of time. Maybe when I get to your age, I can be as cool as you. Nah, <laughs> I'm not cool. <laughs> I'm just old. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh my God. No, you just, uh, listen. That's, that's the advice I give to people is like, just listen, observe. You never know what you're going to learn. I mean, and I've learned so much participating in fandoms in the last few years that it's been like, wow. I mean, wow. And at this stage in my life, I've, I'm at a point where I have, I have a career, I have another career, I have two careers, <laughs> oh my God, and I was like, I need, I need a hobby, so I go, oh my gosh, I go into the fandoms, and I'm like, holy shit, this dovetails so nicely with all of my own interests and my social justice outlook, and this is great, I'm having so much fun in here, and it's not always the best place, because, you know, fandoms have drama, yeah, but but holy shit, I have learned so much and I just love it. I love learning. I learn something new every day. I think that's important. I think everybody should try to learn one new thing, even if it's something really trivial. Like if you listen to a sports show and you find out some trivia about the sports team, it's like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Do you want to know what I learned today? What did you learn today? I learned the Spanish word for titties today. <laughs> For what? For titties. Oh, nice. You see, this is important. Shit like it's that. Because is I've important. been watching. It's because I've been watching those Spanish soap operas. Yes, finally, you are watching. Las, finally, Las Estrellas. That's what you are watching. You are yes, watching. Yes, you the, say that much better than I do. You are watching the Fermin ship, Hafmin and Flora, Flaminia. Something like that. And oh my God! Have girl, you started watching? Have There's you started watching too much it? much drama in that. Oh, my God. You're, oh just, my God. you're just to the damn wedding. Oh, my God. It gets even more full of drama. No, don't tell me. I just, I actually got, I just finally got past the, I'm not even oh. past it. I'm like, I'm like at the last leg of dealing with Jazz's ex-girlfriend. Oh, and I'm just okay, like, so it's going to keep going. That fucking drama. I'm just finishing up oh. Elena. I'm like, ah, oh, what the fuck? I'm and there. Then I'm like. Wait, this is a telenovela. It's supposed to be dramatic. <laughs> exactly. And it, like that's just how soap operas are in general. It's right? always just super oh my dramatic. God, it's but insane. This, you know, this is a thing I actually want to talk about. Okay. Is that I had a moment today where I had this epiphany. And it was um so there was the scene where they were one of them was giving the other one a back massage. And mm -hmm. granted, when you hurt your head, I'm pretty sure you don't want to be jostled like that. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Right. And they had this, they had this moment, this like very, like, 
cue dramatic music, you know, they're all just having like these kind of looks on their face, there's zoom-ins going on, and I was just like, low-key freaking out i was just like oh oh wow oh wow and i was acting like a sex scene was going on i was like what is this and it was just like it felt like a private moment and that i should look away well it was a private moment but it's also a trope the the classic lesbian massage let me give you a massage it always leads to something else it's like the coffee that actually didn't happen yeah i know got past that but like that and I just realized what it was of why I was like okay, so, semi so where are you? with that scene. Where are you in the in the in this show? Like oh. So there she she's got she got injured. Are you past oh, that? So yeah. I'm I'm past that. I'm just talking about how I saw that scene and I realized I wasn't accustomed to seeing that kind of intimacy between two lesbian or two women who were into each other because it's such an overdone trope with like straight people, but I've never actually seen it. Oh, okay. Well, played good. Played out very much. I didn't see it played out very much with, you know, actual two females together, or like just people who are queer in general. And I realized how far back America is from actual right? BGD representation because it's just like I'm looking at this scene that you've seen a gazillion times in many different situations with every different kind of heterosexual couple out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you don't see it like this like this should be like elementary bullshit that you see all the time and you don't and it's like whoa for a minute there um so are you past that did you get past that scene um i'm at the part where finally both of them have stopped their bullshit they've like elena even though elena's still there it's just like it looks like both flora and jasmine have decided yeah that's about where i am they want okay. to be together they, like, they kind of just like Stop doing bullshit, I think. I don't know where you are. Yes, I'm about there. God, what too. episode? What episode are you on? I'm there too. I'm just like, oh my god, just stop. So, I can't I with this crazy. I'm so like, there's six. too much drama in this telenovela. I can't. Uh, I think I'm on episode 76. So if you're not there, I don't want to talk about it because something okay. good is happening. All right, cool. Yeah. But it was just like, uh, literally, my wife actually sat down to start watching it with me. And she's like, good God, this is stressing me out. How long has this been going on for? She's like, right. It's been going on for like 10 stressful. episodes. They've been doing the same damn dance for 10 episodes. I don't I, even I know. It's so stressful. It is so stressful. That's another thing I don't realize. like, Because I wasn't in the dating world long. Because after I met my wife, it was like, done, done. And, you know. <laughs> You know, stick a fork in me, I'm done. There's there's nothing else going on here. So I wasn't in the dating world very long. So I missed a lot of that uncertainty of not being, you know, steady with somebody. Like, having mm-hmm. that worry of, are we steady? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, thank God I'm not fucking dating anymore. That's exhausting. It's been a while for me, too, so I couldn't help you there. <laughs> but it seems exhausting. Else. I was talking to a colleague of mine from grad school, and we're about the same age. And she's like, I don't know how, how fucking people have affairs. Uh, <laughs> I was oh like, God. I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I know I have a couple of friends and they're having affairs. And she's like, how do they fucking fit that in to their days? <laughs> like, she's like, because they were, you know, uh, not to be an asshole, but they had like, you know, partners. And so they're having these affairs. And I was like, honestly, I, I don't know how people find the time to do it, especially at this age. And she's like, I know, right? I've got the goddamn husband. I've got the kid. I've got the job. 
you know, she's a professor. I've got, you know, the stuff outside of that. I have to do this. I have to do, she's like, where do these people find the time? And you like five minutes, meet you in the broom closet or what? I just, I can't. How do they do it? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I can't understand how that works either. Cause it's just like, we're, what? I also don't have the energy. There, see, that's the other thing. She's like, I'm so fucking tired at the end of the day. The last thing I want is sexy time until I have like at least one glass of wine. <laughs> like the last thing I want is to have to cater to another person's emotions. And, right? And it's just like, ah. Anyway, so so watching these telenovelas, it's fucking stressful. <laughs> it's so stressful. Like I'm supposed to be having a great time and all I'm doing I'm is just like, ah, learning so how to stressed. shout Spanish curse words. I'm sorry, Andy, if I did this to you, I apologize. No, it's true, though, because I've been watching it, and I'm just like, God, I'm so stressed right now. I'm going to go watch something that's more soothing, like Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, that's my next thing that I'm going to start watching. Oh, girl. Girl, I mean, Sarah at least Woo! <laughs> I've seen pictures. Damn, uh, bring it. And she's bi, so there she gets a little action from the ladies. I see it, and I, you know, I'm I'm mostly on the lady loving queer side, so I usually just see people blasting about her ladies. I don't even I don't even see her getting with any guys because like all of my Twitter is just lady, lady, lady. lady. Yeah, but she she kisses one guy, and she like kind of like gives eyes to another guy, but she's like all about the ladies for the most part. So maybe she's yeah. uh, bi romantic but homosexual. <laughs> I don't know, but like. She and it just be her, you know. Whatever, people. she's awesome. It doesn't matter because she kicks ass all over the place. So whatever she, she wants she to do, wants. yeah, whatever she um, wants to do is fine with me. Unlike these ladies I've been watching for the last three days. Who oh my god, you and that girl, oh, you've got to stop. At least in the telenovela, there's like some action. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm looking forward to that action. I don't know how I'm going to feel because I think I've never seen that on tv before uh i mean like i haven't gotten into a relationship watching it go from like literally like them meeting them getting together and then them having the relationship after that that's not yeah a thing that's that you true see a lot that's like, really true it's like they get together they get shipped off to another state I'm that's a good point hospital that's a good point very yeah, good point that's why I'm, I'm Winona wondering. Earp is sort of revolutionary yeah. in that because we watch oh, that's them. The next thing I'm going to start watching too. We watch, to find a place. Yeah, we watch them meet. We watch them hook up, and now they're like dealing with the relationship. It's it's actually really cool. How many seasons is there? Two. They're they're filming the three thing. right now. I should probably just watch the whole thing. You should probably. But I usually I usually just watch the the lesbian storyline, but I feel like I've heard such good things about the you, show that I should just watch the whole damn thing. The lesbian storyline is like integral, so it's like every. I mean, the whole show is just fabulous. I'm I'm gonna watch it again because I fucking love it. God, you know, I can just sit here all day and just talk and talk and talk and talk with you, but I'm pretty sure people got things to do. You got things to do. So why don't we why don't we wrap this up? Thank you so much for joining us. We had a fantastic conversation that covered so many different spectrums. Uh, do you know when you'll be on again so again soon? Whenever. Whenever. <laughs> Whenever you ask, I will make time. Well, for the sake of things, can you tell people where they can find you? 
Yes, y'all. I am Andy Marquette. You can find me at my website, andymarquette.com. You can find me on Twitter, Andy Marquette. I know there's a pattern here. Tumblr, Andy Marquette. And you can also find me at the blog site Women and Words, which is women words. That's one word, womenwords.org. Fantastic. Well, I'm so glad you can join us and we hope to hear from you again soon. Yay! What do you want? This is not the, this is not the Sydney show. This is not the Sydney show. Anyway. This is not about you. All right, it's not about you. Meow. God, podcasting with cats. Okay. Hmm. Meow.